letters twenty nine to thirty of the history of lady barton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the history of lady barton by elizabeth griffiths letters twenty nine to thirty from lady barton to miss cleveland letter twenty nine lady barton to miss cleveland take notice my dear fanny that i am not used to narrative writing you must therefore make allowances for me and excuse my being sometimes too circumstantial and at others too diffuse i can only say that my translation is what all others pretend to be a faithful one perhaps it is so much the worse for that reason for while i am endeavouring to convey the minutest circumstances to you the elegance of expression which gave them consequence in the original is lost but no matter for the manner of recital if the story interests and affects you as much in the reading as it does me in the writing i shall be satisfied with my own performance as soon as the fair olivia had regained her composure she proceeded thus weak young and infatuated with passion as i was the colonel's proposal of flying with him without marriage alarmed me and awakened all the sentiments of delicacy which are inherent to an innocent and virtuous mind yet that very delicacy prevented my having resolution to express my thoughts upon that occasion i feared to injure his honour by seeming to doubt it i therefore remained for some time silent upon this most interesting subject he repeated his entreaties and pressed me to determined i replied that i would consult my confessor he had seen the various workings of my mind and was prepared to evade all my scruples he objected instantly to my proposal by urging that a priest would oppose my marrying an heretic and endeavour to prevent it by acquainting my aunt but told me he had a particular friend a clergyman an embrun who would make no difficulty of uniting us together thus did this artful man lull all my doubts to rest and soothe my unwary mind into a perfect dependence upon his honour fidelity and love the night following was fixed for our departure and in an evil and inauspicious hour i ventured on a world unknown 
with the most inhuman and ungenerous of his sex for my conductor i had perhaps as little to regret on leaving brancon as any young creature who ever took so rash and unadvised a step i wounded not the heart of a fond parent nor drew a pitying tear from any friendly eye i had no sister on whom my disgrace might be reflected nor a brother whose tenderness might lament or honour have resented my misconduct i stood as it were alone in the universe was dear to no one but the loved object under whose protection i now had placed myself and in whom all the affections of my heart were centred yet notwithstanding this very peculiar situation my heart trembled and my eyes overflowed when i got into the chaise and every league that we've travelled the dejection of my spirits increased for some time the colonel endeavoured to dissipate my melancholy by the utmost tenderness and i affected to appear more cheerful in compliment to his attention but he soon roused my languor into resentment by taking some unwarrantable liberties which when he found i would not suffer he attempted to excuse by saying that he had already considered me as his wife the moment we arrived at emburn he left me in the inn to go as he said in pursuit of his friend the clergyman he returned in about an hour with a person to perform the ceremony and we were married directly but without any other witness for i had thrown myself out of a situation to prescribe terms and must therefore have compounded for having any own scruples satisfied by a consciousness of my being his wife leaving the option of the world to its own charity about me we remained two days at Embrun and then set out for marseilles during our long journey my husband told me that he had some reasons for wishing to change his name and that in compliment to my christian one he would be called olivet i readily acquiesced in whatever he thought proper without attempting to inquire into the motives of his conduct we took a house at marseilles and lived for four months in the utmost retirement and the most perfect happiness together i never stirred out but to church or to take the air with my husband every wish of my fond heart was accomplished and i secretly rejoiced that he no longer talked of joining his regiment or returning to his native country 
about that time his temper and manners began to alter he was frequently sullen and gloomy and if i attempted to inquire into the cause of this change he would answer thou art and command me to leave him i obeyed and used to retire to my chamber and pass whole days and nights in tears but whatever he condescended to speak to me with cheerfulness i instantly forgot his past unkindness and vainly flattered myself that it would return no more at length with some appearance of tenderness in his manner he told me that he was under an absolute necessity of leaving me for a few months as my situation would not admit of my travelling with him from my being far advanced in my pregnancy of olivia but that he would certainly come back to me by the time i should be recovered from my lying in and take me with him to ireland where his estate lay all that i ever suffered in my life seemed slight to the misery of parting with him i knelt i wept and implored him not to abandon me under such circumstances he was unmoved by my tears and entreaties and in a few days afterwards quitted marseilles without even bidding me adieu the grief i felt from this separation would i hoped have terminated my life and i fear i should have been tempted to have shortened the date of my wretched existence had not the tenderness which i felt even for my unborn babe restrained my hand from the too frequent effects of despair my situation was certainly deplorable and i then thought that my misery could not admit of addition i have been since but too strongly convinced that there are numberless gradations in wretchedness and that i was then but entering on my novitate i was so totally absorbed in sorrow at being forsaken by a husband whom notwithstanding his unkindness i both respected and loved that the common concerns of life never occurred to me till my maid came to ask me for money to support my family which consisted of two maids and a man-servant i started as from a dream and in an agony of grief ran to the colonel's desk where i found twenty louis d'ors sealed up in a small box labelled thus to olivia d'almberg this sum if used with care will bring you through your lying in but you must immediately discharge two of your servants j walter here again the fair mourner's tears interrupted her recital and must also put a stop to my translation for the present 
i wish extremely that i had finished the task i have undertaken for the sympathy between us is so strong that i feel my health wasting as her tale proceeds there is a story that some unhappy woman had blasted a great oak tree once by constantly mourning her grease beneath its shade this fable does not appear unnatural to me under my present sensations and yet so sweet the poison is that i would rather have listened to her doleful ditty than to all the carols of the most festive mirth what can be the reason of so unnatural a preference how oddly compounded is the human heart but most admirably framed surely for what appears to the vulgar to be is contradictions are in the language of philosophy but its contrasts only its perfection consists in thus as much as the harmony of nature depends on an opposition of elements the heat of fire the coldness of water the heaviness of earth and the lightness of air you may observe that i take the advantage of every opportunity for reflection in order to guard my mind as much as possible from the danger of thinking i shall leave you to explain this paradox to yourself and am my dearest friend your truly affectionate but unhappy sister l barton letter thirty lady barton to miss cleveland my dear fanny i am now sitting down to conclude i hope the sufferings of my fair narrator which i shall endeavour to do without any further interruption for though the listening to her story had a great deal of what i deem the luxury of woe in it i fear that this delicate sensation may have evaporated from the frequent breaks in the recital as much as the original spirit has in my translation but at all hazards i will now proceed on pursuing the shocking and surprising transcript continued mrs walter my head turned round and i had just presence of mind sufficient to convey it into my pocket before i dropped upon the floor the servants heard me fall and came to my assistance happy would it have been for me if they had spared their cruel officiousness and suffered me to have expired at that moment my distress and despondency upon this occasion may appear unaccountable perhaps to others and husbands leaving his wife sometimes upon several occasions of business was not so uncommon a case as to have alarmed me but there is a sort of proestament in the mind which often for 
bodes approaching ills philosophy must here be at a stand the circumstance cannot be accounted for from nature as the present situation may have no sensible connection with the future events nor can such an effect be imputed to providence neither without the impiety of supposing it capable of rendering us wretched before our time by giving us a hint of misfortunes to come without supplying us with the means of avoiding them besides did not the address of his billet the styling me by my own surname of de almberg instead of walter or even that of de olivet which he had artfully prevailed on me to assume during our residence together at marseilles sufficiently evince that he no longer meant to consider me as his wife for the future this circumstance too supplied me with a strong reason also to suspect that in reality i had no legal title to that claim as the unknown person who had so clandestinely performed the ceremony might not probably have been properly qualified by the orders of any church to have officiated in the marriage rites it was perhaps no small aggravation to my misfortunes to reflect that had not my own indiscretion aided his dishonour i should not now have been so totally abandoned unjustified unfriended and unsustained to the sport of fortune to the mercy of malignant censorious and unpitying world some days after this event i was lying on my bed in the state of stupid distraction when the sudden stopping of a chaise at my door roused me from my lethargy i leaped out of bed and flew down the stairs crying out he is returned my life my love my husband but judge of my astonishment madame when i saw nanette enter the door her face was thin and pale but she appeared farther advanced in her pregnancy than i and seemed from the expression of her countenance to be at that instant in the pangs of labor she accosted me with the grossest abuse called me vile deceitful wretch and i had seduced her husband from her that she was come to claim him and to cover me with the infamy i deserved alternately called for her dear colonel walter and implored assistance to save hers and her infant's life amidst the variety of passions which in those moments preyed upon my wretched heart compassion was the strongest 
i had her immediately conveyed to my chamber and placed in my own bed i sent for the bed assistance that could be had and in a few hours she was delivered of a son who lived but three days the agitations of her mind brought on a violent fever but given her ravings she continued to accuse me as the sole cause of all her sufferings and uttered the most vehement imprecations against me from the moment nanette's arrival i could perceive that my servants treated me with less respect than usual they doubtless believed her story and thought that my receiving her into my house was at once a proof of both of my guilt and fear the physician and apothecary who attended her divulged the tale abroad and i was looked upon by the whole city of marseilles as one of the most abandoned wretches i knew nothing that creates such an irksome sensation in the mind as imputed guilt but the very delicacy that makes us feel it most serves to restrain us from entering into a vindication as this would be to admit if possible at least it might be true under such a difficulty i then labored and this nicety supported by the natural courage of innocence inclined me rather to acquiesce in the censure than engage in so public a justification of myself as this unhappy woman's charge against me seemed to require and she was not herself at that time in a fit condition either of mind or body to have listened to my defence nanette's delirium continued about fifteen days during which time the miserable pittance that colonel walter had left me was exhausted and i was seized with the pains of labour without being mistress of a single leave or credit in the place death was at that time the supreme object of my wishes yet in regard to my dear babe that now approached the light i sent for my confessor related to him every circumstance that i have repeated to you implored his protection for the unborn innocent and put a chagrin case which contained the portraits of both my parents with some jewels in his hands which had been bequeathed me by my dear mother on her deathbed and which i had ever since preserved as a relic with the most pure devotion truth generally affords conviction to an ingenious mind the good father heard my story believed it pitied my distress and gave me every consolation that my wretched state could admit of by administering the rites of the church and assuring me 
in the most solemn manner that he would take the utmost care of my child in case it should survive its unhappy mother i likewise recommended nanette to his humanity he promised that while she remained ill all her wants should be supplied and if she recovered he would furnish her with the means of returning home again to her mother peace once more took possession of my breast and a thorough resignation to the will of heaven triumphed for a while over that distracting inquietude which had well-nigh destroyed both my mind and body but the arrow of incurable affliction was still lodged in my heart and the temporary calm that i then enjoyed was occasioned rather by my weakness than my strength it pleased heaven that i was soon and safely delivered of my beloved olivia and from the moment of her birth all selfish apprehensions vanished i no longer felt a pang but for her and never ceased lamenting her being involved in the mis miseries of her mother though doting on her as i did i a thousand times wished she had been born of any other parent and yet am certain i would not have parted with her to a queen in about ten days after i was brought to bed by the good father who had supplied me with every necessary and visited me constantly came into my chamber with an unusual vivacity in his looks be of good cheer madame said he providence never forsakes the virtuous and patient sufferer heaven has been pleased though my weak endeavours to raise you up a friend who is at once inclined and capable of relieving you from your distress and establishing a certain supply for your future competence madame de freiburg will be here in a few minutes and is coming to take you under her roof and protection but before it is possible for you to remove there i will inform you how this instance of good fortune has been brought about and furnish you with some instructions that may conduce towards rendering you agreeable to your patroness but while he was yet speaking the marchioness de freiburg entered and interrupted him i have already told you that i had lodged danette in my own chamber and was of course obliged to lie in in my maid's room the first words of marchioness uttered were heavens what a place for the child of my friend my dear madame de Almberg, she stepped forward and embraced me then raised her glass to her eye and surveyed me with the most critical and distressing attention i was so extremely confused 
both by the suddenness and manner of her entering and address that i could neither speak nor move from the death of that dear mother she mentioned i never seen a woman that was capable of inspiring me with respect or ah before her appearance commanded both a sudden gush of tears relieved me for a moment and seemed to soften the farouche demeanour of my future benefactress she quickly made an apology for having mentioned my mother seated herself by me laid aside her glass and took my hand with infinite grace but no softness the matroness was about fifty years old she was uncommonly tall had been remarkably handsome her eyes large black and piercing but the whole contour of her countenance was rather hard than pleasing there was an air of fierty expressed throughout her whole appearance that inclined you at first sight rather to fear than love her she told me that my confessor who was also hers had informed her of my distress but that chance had brought her acquainted with my being the daughter of her friend that as such i might depend on her good offices and regard and added that she hoped i would be ready to set out with her in a few days for paris where she was then going and that she would order her woman to provide a proper nurse to leave my child with the idea of parting with my daughter shocked me extremely i fell at her feet and as if she had been the arbitress of my fate implored her not to divide me from my child said that this infant was now the only blessing i possessed in life and that nothing but death or her happiness should ever part us she gazed at me with a mixture of surprise and contempt and said that if pere Gulem had informed her i was such a pretty simpleton she would have saved me and herself the trouble of a visit but that she believed there was something contagious in folly since she found herself inclined to comply with my absurd request though she detested children but that her hotel at paris being large enough to prevent her hearing its squall i might bring the brat with me provided i did not insist on her being plagued with it during our journey i was transported with even this uncouth and forced permission i kissed her hand and bathed it with my tears told her she had rendered me extremely happy and that i would endeavor to deserve her indulgence by every mark of gratitude and attention in my power 
she seemed pleased and somewhat affected and at quitting me she gave me a purse of fifty louis d'ors bid me prepare for my journey by that day se'night and she would not desire me to come to her house at marseilles because she meant to surprise her husband by finding me in her suite without his knowledge and desired that i might still retain the name of de oliviette this was the most sudden transition i had ever experienced from sorrow to joy and though i could not possibly know what sort of state i was going to enter into yet i thought any change must be for the better it was also the first time i had ever had anything like business to transact in my life and the having it in my power to discharge my debts and servants composed my mind into a state of the most pleasing tranquillity imaginable nanette however remained still a weight upon my spirits in addition to that misfortune that then did and ever will oppress them in a short time after the marchioness had left me the good father guillem returned he brought with him the chagrin case which i had entrusted him with the contents untouched except a diamond ring which he had been obliged to dispose of to answer the expenses of my family and delivered me twelve louis d'ors the remainder of thirty he had sold it for the sight of my dear parents pictures affected me extremely i kissed and bathed them with my tears and most piously thanked my good patroness in my heart for this article of her bounty more than all the rest that she had saved me from the misery of parting with those dear remains father guillem told me that he had related my story to madame de freiburg without mentioning who i was and shrewd her the jewels in hopes that she would purchase them which she refused but the moment she beheld the portraits she snatched up one of them exclaiming with surprise and joy this this is was my near relation and my dearest friend olivia de Almberg, upon which he acquainted her with my name and family and she promised on the instant to take care of me but insisted on his not informing me that she had acknowledged any manner of affinity between us he then gave me the marchioness's character and history in a few words pride vanity an insatiable desire of admiration and a fondness for play he said were her great foibles but that she was friendly generous and humane 
when these virtues did not interfere with her passions he said she had been married young to the marquis de freiburg that he had been dead about ten years and had left her immensely rich that she had since married monsieur de lovaine a young soldier of fortune who treated her very cavalierly and of whom she was extravagantly fond and jealous he told me that he had furnished me with this little chart du pat in hope i should be able to steer my course by it to safety and happiness he then informed me that he had written to a friend of his in ireland to inquire after colonel walter but that as i had not been able to ascertain even the name of the province where his fortune lay it was possible nay probable from the dissoluteness of his character that i might never see or hear of him again he entreated me therefore to strive wholly to forget him and devote my whole attention to the cultivation of the marchioness's friendship and the education of my child he promised to remember me in his prayers and to favor me with his advice by letter then took a most affectionate leave of me as he was obliged to quit marseilles for a few days to perform some business by command of his superior i had not seen nanette from the time of my being ill but as i knew she was recovering though slowly i fancied i was then able to bear an interview with her and acquaint her with my design of quitting marseilles i meant to offer her every assistance in my power and take leave of her i hoped for life i accordingly proceeded to her chamber but no words can express the surprise and horror that affected me at seeing her her whole frame was convulsed and every feature distorted and enlarged the moment she beheld me she seemed to acquire new strength and endeavored to revile me with as much bitterness as when she arrived first at marseilles she had however no longer the power of raising any passion in me but pity i said everything that was possible to calm her mind assured her i had never knowingly injured her and that i had certainly been as much if not more imposed on and deceived by colonel walter than herself i then proceeded to relate with the utmost exactness the colonel's whole behaviour from his first meeting to his quitting me during the recital of which she wept often her countenance became more placid and composed and when i had finished my story she asked my pardon a thousand times for the injury she had done me 
and confessed i was much more to be pitied than herself on account of my youth and inexperience she confessed too that the formalities of marriage had never passed between them but shrewd me a paper he had given her by which he had engaged to acknowledge her as his wife at some future era and with regard to the marked attention which he had shrewd to me he assured her he meant nothing more by it than merely to deceive her mother and in order to carry on the plot said he was obliged to spend a few weeks at embrun upon a particular business and desired her to hold herself in readiness to come off to him there at a minute's warning on a summons which he promised to send her from thence matters being thus settled between them her mind she said was quite at ease on his departure till she heard of my elopement with him the morning after it happened which threw her into a state of distraction for several months but not hearing from him all that time and beginning at last to apprehend that her situation would quickly discover her misconduct and cover her with infamy she determined to follow him to embrun and as she could not suppose that he had ventured to have entered into firmer engagements with me than he had already done with her she considered herself as having a prior right to the title of his wife and resolved to assert her claim she then took a small sum of money from her mother to whom at length she had revealed the secret and came off post to embram as it had been known that we had taken that route but upon missing us there she had with almost incredible difficulty and after numberless delays attended by illness and fatigue on the way traced us to marseilles where she acknowledged that she owed her life to my unmerited humanity she then poured forth many severe execrations against colonel walter said she would not return to Brecon, but if she could recover would pursue him all over the world till she had received satisfaction at least in revenge for her perjured faith and villainy she told me that my aunt had not expressed either rage or surprise at my going off but seemed rather to be sufficiently consoled for my loss by being freed from the expense of my future maintenance there is a material difference between the belief 
and certainty of a fact and though i had hitherto supposed that her insensibility might have prevented her from grieving at the at the impropriety of my conduct or the misfortunes which might probably attend it i could not bear to be convinced of my own insignificance by her inhumanity i felt humbled and mortified at this account as if i had received some fresh injury before i knew anything of madame de freeburg i had many times thought of returning to briancon of throwing myself at my only surviving parent's feet and of endeavouring to obtain her pardon for my offending self and her protection for my unoffending child but now the idea vanished like a dream and i thought of no other resource but the marchioness's kindness after having discharged all my little debts i had about thirteen louis d'ors left and the day before i quitted marseilles i took leave of nanette and presented her with ten of them i begged to hear from her and left a line recommending her to the care of the good father Guillaume, and we parted from each other with all the tokens and feelings of revived friendship when the marchioness's equipage stopped at my door i was ready to step into it and my little girl was consigned to the care of her woman who travelled in a chaise behind us madame de freeburg accosted me with great good humour and praised my exactness in not keeping her waiting the instant i opened my lips to reply to her politeness monsieur de lovain lifted up his eyelids which had been closed before and seemed to awake from a profound slumber he gazed at me with an expression of surprise in his look and threw me into as much confusion as his lady had done on our first interview from that moment he became lively and so perfectly polite and attentive to the marchioness that not only she but i was charmed with his behaviour and her long journey was rendered perfectly agreeable by the pleasing concord that appeared between as i then thought this happy pair on our arrival at paris the marchioness allotted me an apartment in her hotel and ordered two of her women to attend particularly on me and my child she requested that i would get the better of my air triste and appointed a music master and a dancing master to instruct and fashion me end of letters twenty nine to thirty recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c